Don't miss a single episode of season two of the Out Front with Vince Noble podcast this coming fall. It's been ranked as a top 5% globally recognized podcast, the show that gives emerging leaders and career transitions individuals the information and inspiration to thrive and become their best on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download or listen to your podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Outfront Podcast with host Vince Noble, the podcast that gives emerging leaders and career transitioning individuals the information and inspiration to thrive and become their best. For sponsorship and advertisement opportunities, please contact info at nobleresolutions.com. And now, your host, Vince Noble. I want to acknowledge each and every one of you stepping into your authentic power today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Outfront Podcast. I am your host, Vince Noble. I am super excited today. We have the distinct pleasure of having with us Ms. Rosalind Hendrickson. She is the founder and CEO of Restored Living Network, an acclaimed life motivator, certified life coach, author, and former government cabinet head. She began her career more than 20 years ago with the state of Kentucky. Her love of government led her to serving with several United States senators and congressmen alike. She spent a great deal of her time as an EEO cabinet head for the health and family services. Additionally, she has served as an EEO district manager for the state of Georgia with jurisdiction over 21 counties that included equal employment investigations, mediation, and monitoring federal funding on local government projects. I do not doubt that most of us have been in different forms a conflict throughout our lives, and especially so in the workplace. I am particularly exposed to a lot of conflict since people come to me in my official capacity seeking help whenever there are cases of conflict escalation. When we talk about conflict, when we talk specifically about conflict escalation, we want to highlight that not only has the intensity of the ongoing conflict risen, but also that of the approaches being employed. In other words, there is typically a shift in the intensity of conflict, which is usually driven by reactions and interactions and external forces and or by involvement of additional people. That is as conflict surge, the number of individuals involved increases as well. As much as conflict escalation does not always directly translate to violence and destruction, the threat of rougher and tougher times tend to heighten. And that is why the comprehension of the stages of conflict escalation is important, especially in the conflict de-escalation process. In this episode, we'll be talking about conflict in the workplace and offer up a bit of guidance and actual steps to take on conflict de-escalation. 
We certainly have a lot to unpack in this episode, so let's go. Shouts out to Vince Noble. What up? That's the big homie. Help me stack when my pockets was flat. Now I got a grip on me. Information, motivation, inspiration. Make sure that you avoid elimination. Renovation of your finances. I done had more than five chances. Vince got more than five answers. A celebration. Let's hire dancers. On this good game, you bet not bypass. Out front, out front. Yep, that's the podcast. Roslyn, welcome to the show today. Well, hello, Vince. I'm so glad to be here today. Yeah, certainly, certainly. It is a pleasure that you're here with us today. I'm, I'm sure we're going to have a wonderful time today. So, so Roslyn, um, for those who may not know you or all about what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you so passionately do today. Well, Vince, a portion of I mentioned earlier um, that we are the CEO and founder of the Restored Living Network. Um, It is a Christian television network. Um, And aside from the network, I also have served a bulk of my uh, career with um, state government, and that includes the state of Kentucky and as well as um, the state of Georgia in recent years. Um, The main issue that um, we, you know, as far as what I have done has been handling EEO uh, complaints and I've served as EEO uh, cabinet administrator and overseeing 75 plus personnel. Uh, and that was for the state of Kentucky. But of course, here in Georgia, you know, I'm servicing 21 counties uh, in the Northern District. And that involves handling EEO investigations and also working closely uh, with human resources management uh, in investigating any type of complaints that arise in the workplace. And specifically, um, we're handling issues that, you know, that arise. Um, I also do mediation, um, and those issues can involve uh, employees as well as management. Uh, And whether we realize it or not, a lot of times um, the issues just are not between employees, but a lot of times it can be uh, issues that involve management. So I do handle that, and um, that's pretty much the bulk of what I do. And I, with my experience of 20 years plus with working with state government. Of course, you know, I've seen a whole lot of things that have arisen. And I'm at a point now where I'm sure um, there's nothing really that surprises me in the workplace. But that's just a little bit of what I'm <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Rosalind, you know, I've been saying that we're living in one of the most challenging and polarizing times uh, in perhaps all of our lives. And there are complex organizational and societal issues that I believe uh, spilling over into the work environment uh, among typical workplace friction. Um, and so I believe in part it is fueled also by the current political climate. And so I get I get to ask everyone that comes to this show, like, what's really going on? And and how are you doing specifically uh, in this current environment with COVID and, and all of this? And so how are you doing from a leader perspective, spiritually, socially, men- mentally, physically, emotionally? And, and how do you think uh, the pandemic uh, and, and, and the emotional tension has in a way impacted the current workplace dynamic? Well, I must say that we are living in unprecedented times and like we've ever seen before. And of course, the dynamics have totally shifted. And of course, me, myself personally, I've had to make some adjustments in my own life as a leader 
Um, but also my own personal life, you know, I've learned to be more flexible and to be more open to new ideas and concepts. And especially with having to work remotely and meeting the challenges of, you know, continuing to communicate uh, with my coworkers. And in, as far as COVID, that has, you know, changed the dynamics a lot because um, being in leadership, you know, has been especially different because um, uh, we've I've had to learn to adapt, uh, but also uh, to adapt with COVID and all the issues that go along with it um, to, you know, have a much smoother transition from working uh in the workplace in a, in a building and then going, coming home. So that's been totally different for me. Um, but you know, um, I no longer have that commute every day, but the one thing that I've had to take advantage of, and I think has been uh, a plus that has come out of it. If we want to look at it on a positive side, uh, is taking advantage of new technologies. You know, I've never seen as much a usage of zoom meetings and, you know, we using teams meetings and, but overall my experience has been very, very positive. And I think at this point I'm much more productive and I've had more time because, you know, I'm spending less time, you know, commuting, but I have that additional time, you know, for other tasks. And I think for me, uh, is it hasn't actually improved my um, personal productivity level. Um, and, and the shift has been, um, you know, has caused me to rethink the way, you know, we do business uh, as far as uh, networking and trying to communicate uh, with coworkers and maintaining that uh, level of leadership that I need to, as far as in uh, with meetings and uh, especially with communicating with governments and uh, and employees, you know, who have issues. It's a little bit different when you have to talk over the phone or in a Teams meeting as opposed to uh, meeting a person in person where you have an in person meeting and you can read the body language and th- different things like that. So the dynamics have changed, but it's all good. I'm working through it. Right. Right, right, right. Roslyn, so I also, I believe that as a result of the pandemic, uh, what we are experiencing in the workforce as well as that there is a great time of of revealing and tribulation, I believe. And, And that is revealing that which is within us, even again, from an organizational perspective, good, bad, right, or wrong, or indifferent, we are experiencing and seeing civil unrest around the world uh, as old structures crumble and many new structures are formed. I happen to believe that those that survive will be those that, that are not necessarily trying to save or hold on to the, to the thing, to the way things used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, those that are not trying to protect deep rooted perceptions or identities, but to serve the realities um, of a new world or system of realities progressively emerging through the, the one that's willing. Uh, and so as organizational leaders, we know people will bring all of their anxieties into the workplace, but it's our duty as leaders to deal with it. Um, and, and it is how we deal with that friction um, with, is what makes the difference. What would you speak to that? Well, to speak to that, I will say that, um, you know, with the, uh, the way we communicate, especially uh, with COVID and, and, you know, everything that is changing uh, worldwide, um, we, we have to understand that change brings about other issues. Um, and for me, that includes in how we communicate. 
and especially with, with uh, emails or messages and and sometimes the tones and uh, anything like that can get misconstrued and say, and even the things we say in the in the messages. But we're communicating less and less face to face, so it actually creates a different type of friction. Uh, so we have to be very clear in the way we communicate in the workplace and other organizations. And I think our expectations mm-hmm. must be clearer than ever. Um, it's no longer a time when we can just passively deal with things, but we've got to be more open, especially when we're looking at uh, management styles. And I think, uh, of course, um, with a lot of senior managers, for example, managers, for example, um, some may be very authoritative and they have an old school type of uh, leadership style. And so they may be less to, uh, open to feedback. And with them, uh, COVID has brought about um, some um, challenges for them because they're used to people being in person. And whereas now you've got new technology and people are away from the office. And so it, it presents a challenge for them as well. in as far as their input, um, they may not want as much input or feedback from their subordinates. Mm-hmm. But a younger manager uh, their their management approach may be a little bit more laid back. Um, they may, may be more accommodating and willing to communicate more openly. So, and they may be uh, appear a little bit more passive about some things or some workplace habits. So, um, you actually, you know, I would say this: you'd be surprised how differently things are actually handled. Um, and as far as in CEO, in my case, um, I've had senior male management. Uh, to just kind of open a can of worms here, if you'd like. <laughs> uh, we've had senior male managers who thought it was okay, uh, for example, to speak to females uh, in a way that is now considered inappropriate. Um, things like mm-hmm. babes and darling. And uh, while I might add, you know, that seems to be okay. Uh, and maybe they felt there was nothing wrong with it because maybe they felt they didn't mean anything by it. Uh, whereas a younger mm-hmm. female of this generation, they might get upset about being called baby and darling. So for some management or women, um, I think it's more important to give uh, different perspectives and that people have to understand with uh, the work environments and the type of conflicts that we're dealing with, uh, the challenges that we now see that, um, that are in the workplace is a little bit different. So we have to adapt to the changes as well that comes along with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to your point, getting back um, specifically to uh, certain disagreements or or conflict um, in the environment that 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 escalates, I, I believe that um, as a leader, the worst thing you could do is nothing. Um, and, and again, leaders get paid to take action on things that that are positively or negatively impacting the climate, culture, and overall conditions of their respective organizations. You know, however, uh, you have to be in a position to understand the real nature of the problem. You have to understand, you know, the problem that exists. And oftentimes, I believe the problem is often predictable. There are many things that, you know, we as leaders, y- you see it forming, you see it coming, right? Same same situation, just a different phase. Um, but you can see it you can see it forming, if you will, and, and it's important not to avoid the conflict to begin with, but rather take it head on because the results can be catastrophic to your organization. Rosalind, what would you say to that, to, to uh, take an action immediately rather than um, choosing to ignore the situation from a leader perspective? I think um, 
The main thing is that we have to uh, have a response early on during the conflict, uh, the first phase of the conflict, because if we don't, um, then it can get out of hand. And one example that I want to use uh, as far as conflict that I've actually seen, uh, we've had, um, let's say, for example, there were females who were actually passed over, let's say, for uh, a promotion because she's a female and, and she's up against a male. She has more experience. And while the male, he's, he's, you know, he, he's probably has, she has more education and experience and he probably has experience in this case that I've seen. And what happens a lot of times with that female, um, she's looked over because they see him, maybe management may see him, oh, well, he's married uh, and he's the breadwinner of his family. But that creates a conflict in and of itself because she was actually more qualified for that position. She may, she may uh, go in, she may uh, sit down for the interview and interview for that position, but, you know, they give the position to him anyway just because he's a male. And, and maybe mm-hmm. she may not have said anything to management because of any fear of retaliation, um, but, then, but then after a while she may start going to other coworkers and then, uh, then it gets back to that supervisor, and then there, there's a, a, a rift be, uh, underneath the surface that's going on with her and her supervisor mm-hmm. because it's become her supervisor now. So um, at first, mm-hmm. she may be a little bit a little bit accommodating because she says, "Well, you know, it's okay, you know, um, you know, yeah, he is, you know, he's he has a wife and kids and all this stuff." But after a while, if there's no problem solving involved up front, uh, at some point, it's going to escalate. Because she's going to probably uh, develop some type of personal antagonism toward him. Uh, and then before you know it, there are multiple issues. And then she's telling other people. And then she becomes hostile toward the individual. And either she's going to shut down or at some point she's going to quit or go somewhere else. Or she may get fired because it's mm-hmm. gotten out of hand. And so what happens with me as an EEO officer, uh, I usually, th- that person will wind up coming to me because they're filing a complaint because well, it's a gender complaint or I'm female or discrimination in the workplace. So to kind of cap this, what you've asked me, uh, I I think it's it's very important to capture or or to look at a problem early on so that we can prevent this type of issue or or any type of complaints that Mm -hmm. arise out of those things. So uh, the main thing is to, as a manager, you have to foresee down the road. Uh, I'm always looking ahead because, the decisions that I make today impacts everyone down the road. And so to, to prevent all of that, I really have to think through the main issues and, and to avoid any type of workplace com, you know, conflicts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's also from a leader perspective, being aware, um, you know, of those potential stages of conflict. Um, and so that latent or uh, to your point that, that latent, um, or underlining conflict is a stage in which factors exist in the situations which could become potential conflict inducing. And that's again, competing for scarce resources or potential, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's always a source of conflict. And so I think it's organizations, you know, sort of uh, one way of, of mitigating that is having, you know, clear policies, if you will, would you say? I think so. And it's so important that the management is aware of those policies, 
but the policies are not any good if they don't follow the policy. So we have to be full yeah, aware. And my, my main objective in what I do is to make sure that a management has the training that they need. Uh, and that's very, it's very crucial for any organization is to train its leaders. Uh, and what happens, um, there's a lack of training. And so people, and then a lack of training creates a lack of knowledge. And so if people mm-hmm. lack knowledge, they're not, be, they're not able to make effective decisions, good sound judgment when it comes to the policies themselves and implementing the policies um, that involve the employees that they are managing or the situations that they're up against. Uh, and if you mm-hmm. have that in some organizations, if they're not careful, uh, if, a, if a leader lacks that um, the real training that they need or the knowledge or are not aware of the policies, or they have individuals like me that can come to to get the guidance that they need on the policies, uh, you're looking at uh, it could cost an organization. You, you're looking at lawsuits. You're looking at a lot of things that can happen. So it's very it's so crucial that people are aware of what those policies are and how to follow those. Absolutely. Um, what about perception? You know, um, what's your thoughts on perception? Is it is it's from a leader perspective? Is perception? Uh, and we know perception is not necessarily reality, but from a leader perspective, should we pay much attention to individuals' perceptions in the workplace? Oh, yes. I, I think it's very important that we recognize um, people's perception because, I mean, we have our own realities. I think when management looks at issues, we may look at it. And for me, from a manager's perspective, I look at issues totally different than, say, an employee would or, or you know, uh, a subordinate would because I'm coming from a different um, direction. Um, and as an EEO officer and a, a reviewer of investigations and conducting uh, mediations over the years, you know, I've been able to um, observe people's perspectives because, you know, that is what they see. And so, but at what I do as a manager, I try to look at it from a business perspective uh, and what's not what's good for business, but also be aware of, of how the employee may see themselves in that situation. I try to look at it from every angle, whereas an employee or subordinate may just look at it from their angle. They may not see it from a management perspective. So being in management, you have to have a, a 300, uh, you know, 350 degree angle all the way around. You have to be aware of all the, <laughs> right. It, it, right. Absolutely. Have tentacles, you know, <laughs> they, they touch a little bit of everything. Right. So you got to be aware of this. Yes. Cause you know, it's a fact that oftentimes uh, individuals or groups of individuals in the workplace could perceive in a sense that, that there's a problem um, with, with another individual group. And that may not necessarily be the case. Uh, and it's important that leaders also be aware of that uh, potential uh, for conflict. So, Rosalind, listen, we're in that segment of the show that we call Hot Seat, where we ask each of our guests a few random hot topic questions that our listeners like to know. And the first one would be, if you could turn back the time and talk to that 20-year-old self <laughs> about managing conflict, what would you say to her? Well, looking back, um, being a little bit older now, of course, over 20 years and, of course, 30 years in the workplace, um, I have to look at it from a perspective that my nature was more of an introverted individual, and that's more of my personality. So I typically showed up for work, and I would spend most of my day 
head down in a cubicle and I wouldn't say very much. So I would say to her to do more networking. And, you know, although I did quite well, um, the people that I approached perhaps in the hallways, you know, I was so quiet. I always say, you know, like I said, in my office, my head down. So I had to uh, learn about people, who they were um, and how they who the main players were and their roles were in the organization, because that is so crucial as a leader. And so having you know, if I would look back, I would say, you know, Rosalind, you really need to uh, get outside your office and learn about people, learn what they do, learn learn who the main uh, persons are and what they do and their roles are in the organization and their, and their functions and how it all works together. And so, you know, when you're, I would say as a 20 year old, I could not see, I could not see how the organizational chart really worked until I got older where I could, from maturity and from, you know, uh, experience, I can now look at uh, the organizational chart and look at names and understand how their roles play into uh, the success of the organization. But I, I honestly, I could not see that as a 20 year old. So that's the thing I would tell myself. Right. Do more networking. Get out <laughs> right. there. Learn. Right. Hey, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> yes. and, and you know, to that point, also other other leaders or so senior leaders uh, ha- have to recognize that sort of thing, and uh, from a leader perspective, help create spaces and places, if you will, for individuals to talk, mm-hmm. to get people together and talk, and not necessarily on uh, you know the bottom line or work related. Uh, but but to get individuals to talk um, will will help resolve a lot of those issues as well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, creating an environment and spaces and places where people can speak and speak and you know speak freely yes. about the things that's on their mind and the contributions and what recommendations that they think would be best you know for the team and that sort of thing. So my next question, Rosalind, would be: What's something that that people seem to misunderstand about Rosalind at work? Well, just because I'm perceived as a nice manager doesn't mean I don't believe in discipline. (laughs) I Mm -hmm. do believe in discipline to the letter. Um, But also work policies, they're there for a reason. So I will always follow the high road of integrity and I'm going to do the right thing. And part of doing the right thing as a manager is allowing people to voice uh, voice how they feel um, and be open and to listen to what they have to say. I don't think any organization can be uh, successful. Uh, An organization is only successful as the people who are running it and who bring that vision to life. So part of that is being open and uh, being, being willing to listen to what they have to say in their input and then taking that and implementing it in, you know, future planning or uh, making them a part, a crucial part and, and, make them feel like they're a part of, of the organization and what they contribute Absolutely. very um, mm-hmm. you know, important. So my final question, Rosenby, would be, you know, there are several models that, that try to describe what actually happens during conflict escalation. Uh, and so as we conclude um, from your perspective, can you share a few of those best known models with us? Well, from the early years, I learned that there are different types of personalities. Um, and I recall avoiding those with more dominant type personalities. Um, and I'm, of course, I'm telling my age a little bit, but here I recall. Um, and one of the things that I did learn early on was the Myers-Briggs study several years ago. 
and they developed a color wheel based on personalities and how it relates to leadership. And so I found out uh, that I'm more of a combination of like a blue or green. And in this case, those persons are more calmer, they're more relaxed, they tend to work through conflict by compromise. Uh, we like the quiet corner in the office and, and we like discussion rather than, you know, telling somebody off. <laughs> so, but I have found, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I have a hard time with reds uh, typically early on because, you know, uh, over my, you know, through my experiences, um, most persons like that, um, they want it done, everything done their way and they're more of a dominant type uh, personality. So, and usually they're very more outwardly expressive, especially in meetings. But so I learned, to, you know, over time to understand how personality does contribute to how people manage and also their roles. And especially reds, um, that typically what I would do as a manager, uh, I would step back and take a look at the type of, of management styles and how people uh, handle conflicts and different things in the workplace. But going back, you know, I've learned to um, allow those people take a take a look at their personalities, take a look at what they bring to the table and allow like the Reds, for example, to manage and to take their roles and help let them take the lead. And then like on an office project and we work around all the personalities um, and let them work together. And then I might have the blues together. They're more calm. They're more, you know, um, those are the persons who like to um, uh, they work through conflict, but they're going to compromise, you know. So I, I've learned to, to group them together, let them all come back together, and let them use those management styles uh, um, for the better for the better good as far as what they contribute and in the way that they can make the overall project go over. So um, that's the one thing I've really learned. And, and mainly it's about communication. It's so important um, as far as mm-hmm. communicating strategies and bringing people together and strategizing and synergizing, but all of it lends to an organization, um, that is able to work through any type of conflicts and to avoid, I, I think the main thing is, you know, like they always say that an ounce of prevention is, is better than a pound of cure. And, you know, it's, it's better to prevent up, you know, up front than to have to walk through all the conflict and then have to work backwards. So, um, but I would say that, you know, that's that's what we have to do absolutely absolutely very insightful so Rosalind before we go how can people connect with you some of the things you're doing either online or or through social media or your network Um, they can connect with me Um, you know I have uh, four books I've authored four books and you can find them all on Amazon or you can connect with us on our uh, network it's a a subsidiary network Um, it's at www.sycamoresolutions rln.info and you can go on the world wide web and you can find our presence there um, and feel free to reach out but the, I think the books are amazing personally I'm a little biased but you, again <laughs> it's at Amazon and you can find us on Amazon absolutely absolutely certainly been a pleasure Rosin again once again thank you once again for joining us today and again it has certainly been a pleasure and please come back and check on us soon Sure. Thank you so much, Vince. I've really enjoyed this and would love to be back on your show at some point in the future. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take care. You too. Thank you. We certainly hope that you enjoyed today's episode. So make sure to join our Facebook group, Out Front with Vince Noble. And don't forget to comment, rate, share, and subscribe on the Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to download your podcast. Until next time, remember... 
you still get to write your own life story. 